Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. Israel is in slavery in Egypt. God delivers them, 10 plagues, they walk through some water, they don't get their shoes even wet, and, and he delivers them to the other side. And Moses, of course, the captors give um, give them gold. They come out with like great treasures. And what happens is when Moses is up talking with God, that, that actually Israel is down, uh, melted this metal and is now worshiping it, a golden calf. I find it interesting that uh, God's provision or blessing, suddenly they stop worshiping God and worship his provision um, or what the things that God can do. Um, but after this, Moses comes down, there's a scene there. Moses goes back up to the mountain. And so this is what God says. It's in Exodus, in Exodus 34. And Exodus 34, 14, it says this. So after they've just worshiped this calf, now God is making a covenant, he says, with Moses. They've torn down this calf. But here's what he says. You must worship no other God. For the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, a God who is jealous, uh, who is jealous about his relationship with you. That God is jealous about his relationship with you. Um, isn't jealousy like bad? Um, I, I, I've thought of that, but uh, you know, if if a random dude like holds my wife's hand, like I'm gonna be jealous. I'm gonna probably there might be I don't know some like. I'm not even going to say it and incriminate myself. No, I, I, but there would probably be not good things, right? She's my wife. And so I love her. So I want to hold her hand. I don't want some random person. And the same on the flip side. Why? Because my relationship, my covenant with her, a marriage covenant, because of my love for her, it sets how I treat her, but it also sets how I treat everybody else in light of. Right, That it sets that I'm not holding anybody else's hand. I'm holding my wife's hand. So God is jealous uh, for his relationship with you. As followers of Christ, you are a child of God. You have a covenant with him. And that because based on Jesus and God loves you. He doesn't want just part of you. He doesn't only just want Sundays. He doesn't only just want one part of your life. He wants all of you. And he's not interested in sharing you. He's not interested in, 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 he wants your complete worship. He wants your complete worship. God doesn't want to share your worship or, or for you to worship anything else. This is, he says that right after the Israelites are worshiping. See, God wants your complete worship because he loves you, he's chosen you, and he actually, he has a covenant with you. He wants you to be, really, what Romans 12 says, a living sacrifice. That God, he's jealous for you and your, and your worship. So the title of my message today is, God Wants Your Heart. God Wants Your Heart. Uh, we see Jesus uh, when he's, uh, what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, and he's saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Look at the birds of the air, and the birds are flying around. Uh, look at the, the lilies on the grass. They neither toil or spin, uh, but God takes care of them. And how much more does your heavenly Father love you, 
So don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about these things. Uh, it, it says in Matthew 6, 33, it says this. It says, Matthew 6, verse 33, uh, it says, it says this, is seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, uh, the kingdom, God's way of doing things and, and, and him being right. And Jesus is saying, Put our attention first in him. Seek after him first. Put our heart, our focus after him first. I think it's sort of describing what Jesus is saying here is actually a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of surrender, of seeking him first, uh, to seek him first because God is, is jealous about his relationship with you and your worship. He wants your worship. God wants to be first and to have all of you. But have you ever found this? I have before. Is like you have those intentions, like what Jesus says. Like, okay, I'm going to seek first you and your righteousness, and I'm going to do it. And then something comes up, like something in life comes up, and all of a sudden it derails things. Have you ever found that? And it's like, okay, my focus is, is now over here. Something comes up in life, and suddenly worry is, is, is there. Suddenly I'm all consuming, and it takes your attention, your focus. It sort of like splits my heart in some ways, and it can consume me. Have you ever found that type to be true? I, I think God, as we read, he's a jealous God, and he doesn't want to share any of your attention or your worship um, with something else. He wants you to seek him first. And I, and I think a key part in this is, is found what Jesus actually says before. He says, don't worry, don't worry about tomorrow, but actually seek first. I think a key in that is actually before. And I think as we dive into this, as we read this, I think we'll see um, what he says and how we can not worry, but we can actually seek him first. Keep our heart with him, our attention with him. Uh, and, and it's this, it's in Matthew 6, verse 19. It says this, it says, don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. So this is the same thought where he later goes into, don't worry. Store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. When, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will, be, will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Then it says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And then we get into where Jesus says, so don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about where, you, where you'll eat, where you'll live, what you'll drink, what you'll eat, but seek first the kingdom of God. It sort of seems a little out of the blue if, if, you, ha if you think of it as boxes of like, okay, here's my money box, here's my God box. Where did this come from, Jesus? Like I thought we were talking about don't worry. But he says not to, not to worry, that you can't actually serve God and money at the same time. In verse 19, it says, don't store up. 
uh, uh, riches. Now, is God against having money or wealth? Uh, In scripture, I see no. He's not against that. It says in Psalms uh, 35, uh, 27, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Proverbs 10, 22 says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. Maybe if something that makes you rich and has sorrow, it might not be the Lord's. But uh, Deuteronomy 8, 18 says that he gives you the power to gain wealth. 1 Timothy 6, 17 gives a charge for people who are wealthy and what they should do. 3 John says that above all else that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. John 15 says that, listen, that uh, you will glorify the Father as you bear much fruit. And that includes, I believe that. So God is not against you having money, but I think, uh, or wealth, I think he's against it having you. For you being enslaved to money. In the words of Jesus, for you to be enslaved to money. Money really is a tool because everything costs something, right? Like as we rent this building, it costs something. As I'm wearing, as you're wearing these clothes, I'm glad you had money so you could buy clothes. It's not that kind of church. I'm glad you have clothes, right? It costs money for everything. It's, it's a tool. But in verse 24, it says this. It says uh, in verse 24 that no one can serve two masters, that you will hate one and love the other, you will despise one and be devoted to another, that you can't serve God and money. In other words, that you can't live for and be in full pursuit of money as your goal and God at the same time. But something I find interesting is this, is in verse 21, um, which says this, it says, wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. That where your treasure is, that's where the desire of your heart will be. Where your money is, is actually where your attention, your focus, your desires will be. Like when cryptocurrency took like a big hit a couple weeks ago and like people were freaking out, I was not freaking out. And the reason why, good or bad, I don't know, is I don't, I don't have any holdings in crypto. So I was, my heart was good. It was an okay Monday for me. I was soaring just fine. I was like, why are you so downtrodden? Oh, I see. Um, but, but it's because I had little attention there. My attention wasn't there. Now, I have other investments, and I've noticed they have been taking a hit too, and I feel that a bit. But what you care about, where your money is, right? It shows where your heart is. Your money really is a gauge where your heart is. If you want to see where is my heart, you can actually, where, where, is, where, is, where do I value? What's my attention? What's my pursuit? You can actually, if you're like, where is my heart? You can actually go online and find this. You can go to your bank account and look at your bank statement and you will see where your heart is. Because where your treasure is, what you put into, it shows what your, your desires are, what your pursuits are. If, if you look at your bank, you might say, oh, I really value blizzards. Thank you, Jesus, right? I really value entertainment and movies. Like, I, I, apparently, I really like winners and home sense. This is great, right? I, I value kids' sports. I, maybe even a, you look at the, your, your bank statements and you say, okay, I value the kingdom of God. Like, all of those things are, are not bad at all. I think all of those are good. I think God gives us things that are to richly enjoy, that God gives us things in life to enjoy, Right? And, and, but God, who is jealous for all of you, wants your heart. 
That's what he wants, is he wants your heart. He actually, he doesn't necessarily want your money, he wants your heart. And, and so where he says, where your, Jesus, who is God in flesh, says where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The desires your heart will be. God set up a way to keep your heart with him. He set up a way to keep your heart with him. And as followers of Jesus, God instructs us. I actually think instruct is a little loose. He actually commands us. He commands us as followers of Jesus, as Jesus' disciples, to tithe, to live generously. Now, tithe means a tenth and to bring 10% of your increase to the Lord. And let me be clear. It's not to get more of God's love you, you can't buy more of God's approval. You, you, you can't do that. Everything is based on Jesus. You can't like get more in the good books. It is actually a response to God's love and your relationship to him. It's an act of obedience and worship. That, that actually bringing your tithe to the Lord is actually an act of worship. In, in Malachi, in Malachi 3.18, it says this. Malachi 3, 8, not 18. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking for, okay. Malachi 3, 8 uh, says this. I'll go there. Malachi 3, uh, 8 says this. It says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, so he's speaking to Israel, but you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me from tithes and offerings due to me. Uh, you are under a curse for who... For your whole nation has been cheating me. I'm so glad now that Christ has delivered us from the curse. We're under grace. That's great. But it says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try me. God's saying, test me. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them uh, from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So it's saying there that we are to bring our tithe to the Lord, 10% of our increase to the Lord, to his house, the church, the storehouse, which is the local church. For what? To further his kingdom. Now, tithing was established before the law, and we still get to operate in it now. Um, you might be thinking, Josiah, aren't we like under grace now? Like, aren't we under that? Like, we, we're not under the law? Yeah, you're right. But tithing was actually before the law. That, uh, if, that the Bible clearly states that it was before the law and that Hebrews 7 talks about how Jesus is the priest in the order of Melchizedek, if you will. He receives, he's the one who receives our tithes. So tithing is before the law. But Jesus actually talks about tithing. Jesus actually talks about tithing. You're like, Josiah, I've Googled this before. I put Jesus tithing and I haven't found, well, I'll show you a scripture where he talks about tithing. It's in Matthew 22. In Matthew 22, uh, verse 15, it says this. Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. So they, uh, so th so they sent some disciples 
along with their supporters of Herod, to meet him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truly. You are impartial and don't play favorites. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew the motives. Uh, You hypocrites, he said, why are you trying to trap me? He said, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose pictures uh, uh, and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, this is Jesus saying, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. So he's saying, one, pay your taxes. Two, he's saying, give to God what belongs to God. Now these Pharisees would know and uh, that what belongs to God, and we already read this in Malachi, what belongs to God is the tithe. That the tithe, it belongs to God. That that is actually to be a starting point for us. Now, it's not like an obligation. You don't need to tithe to be like a Christian. Like you don't get your Christian card. Like you give tithe. Oh, thank you. I got a stamp in my Christian card. I'm still good. It, it, won't, it won't cause God to love you. There's no VIP seating in heaven as you tithe. Like, okay, do I get a VIP pass? But it's something that we are to do in response to his love. That 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your hearts how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. God wants a cheerful giver. That is not a, a that, that is not to be out of pressure. Like that, Pat's not gonna pick anybody up and shake them upside down as they're leaving. Right, Pat? I think so. <laughs> but it is a cheerful giver. That it is really a response to God's love and a act of worship to him. That where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So tithing is worship to God and saying, God, I trust you. I trust you and I'm being intentional with my heart and and I will be that I'm gonna be with you. My heart is with you as you seek him first. Tithing really is, is, is is an act of worship and obedience, but also aligning yourself and putting your heart with him. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9 says this. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. So that as you, there are benefits absolutely as you tithe. Uh, There's blessing, there's increase, there's things that God will do that that money cannot do. But it, it isn't just for the benefits that you do that. It is a worship to God and saying, God, you can have my heart. That God, I'm giving you my heart. And then remember where Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about, the, about things. Why? Instead, seek me first. 
Because when, when things come in your life to steal your heart, steal your attention, the worry tries to come in. It's not going to happen. It's not going to move you. Why? Because your heart, you've been intentional in placing your heart with the Lord, of seeking him first in that area. So you heart, your heart is there. Your focus is already there. So that when the storms of life happen, that you're not going to be moved. You can actually do what Jesus says. Don't worry. Why can I not worry? Because I know that he's got me. And I know my heart remembers that he's got me. Right? Sometimes we can know here, but it's like, listen here. Right? Like David, like that, that Psalms 103. It's like, bless the Lord. Like, listen you. And sometimes it's like, I know it here, but in that act of obedience, it's actually now I'm getting it here. I know and I trust you, God. And our focus is on him. Now, I've been blessed, like, so I was blessed to be born into a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian home. And so I started tithing, like, from, like, as soon as I got an allowance, um, back when they had pennies so I could tithe. When I got 10 cents, there was, there was a penny going in. And, and I started out that way, and I've lived my whole, whole life. As soon as I got a real job and increase, I kept doing that. And, and, and that was my start, was 10, and then I built up from there. But every season, high or low, in life, but also financially. The low seasons of financially that came right after high seasons of financially or flipped other ways, that I kept tithing through that and kept doing that act of worship and obedience and saying, God, you have my heart. And one thing that I saw is that my heart wasn't moved so easily to to and fro as situations in life changed. And that I saw that my heart was actually stayed with him. And I've seen God move in my life where it's like, I don't know, how, I don't know how, but God, you did it. You took care of this. And, and it's amazing to me that, that I can do more with, with, with 80% of my income than 100 or 90% of my income than 100 when God has that 10. Uh, because he has my heart. He has my focus. And not only that, but then he will do what he said he will do. That, that your barns will overflow, all those things. And I see that as a, a, a benefit, but it's not my pursuit. Jesus is my pursuit. He has my heart. And so as I'm doing this, I know that all these other benefits, but also I'm staying good with him. I, I'm, my heart, I know. I think it's interesting. Proverbs um, 4.23 says this. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life to guard your heart. And I think one of the things that is so helpful to guard your heart, scripturally speaking, is to put your treasure in the Lord. It's to follow him in this way so that when things come at your heart, that you can actually have been proactive of, my heart is with the Lord. I'm guarding my heart as I do this. And when those things vie for your heart, when they're trying to, trying to take things away or your focus away. Now, Let's be real. It's, it's a lot easier not to teach this, right? Like, it's a lot easier not to teach on tithing. Because what people can think, like, is he just out for, like, money? Uh, people can, can have past hurts where people have abused that, right? And, and, and that has happened. But I think it would be unfaithful 
to my responsibility as, as a pastor to not teach this and for you to experience the fullness of God in teaching this. Because I, I love you and want to see you walk in what God has. I want you to, to be able to, as you fully live your life surrendered to him, you will experience more to him uh, or more of him rather. You know, tithing, giving, giving to God through your local church really is, it's worship. It, and you know, it might be a sacrifice. What, what is God looking for? He's looking for a sacrifice, right? He's looking for a sacrifice. We saw throughout the Old Testament, which is a great picture of the New Testament, that there was never, never worship without a sacrifice. Well, I guess like for me, I know it is. It's a sacrifice to tithe. I know it, but I know that the Lord will do what he said he'll do. You know, our, being intentional with your heart, saying, Lord, I'm giving you this and you have my heart. Yes, there are benefits, but as well, it is a worship. It's an act of worship because God is jealous for you, for all of you. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. And what Matthew 6, 24 says is, Jesus said this, is that you can't serve two. You can't serve God and money, but that you have the opportunity to, in this area, to say, God, I'm serving you. I'm trusting you. And so today, I want to encourage you to take the step in worship in this way, to, to, to honor the Lord in this way, and to worship him with your tithes, with your offerings. Why? Because God commands it. But more than that, it's, it's worship, and it's also saying, God, you can have my heart. I trust you. So as the worship team comes up, I want to encourage you, though, like, if you feel pressure from me, don't feel any pressure. I love you whether you give a, a cent or not. I Really, like, it's between you and the Lord. I love you. If you're feeling something, maybe that's the Lord tugging on your, your heart saying, no, I want you to, to, to worship me in this area. But God loves you. You can't buy his love. But I believe that God is looking for us to live this out of, to, to be a living sacrifice in every way and, and, and to give to him in worship as we worship him. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. No God is for you. We love you and have a great week.